the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. We said that last week's episode was the last episode that was brought to you by Bill Bar, <laughs> but we were liars because this episode was is deception. also <laughs> brought to you by Bill Bar. Uh, I'm still micless. Um, I'm still blaming the fire alarm test of last week for the destruction of my microphone. Um, but I suppose that they were just, you know, trying to make sure that my apartment would be safe during a fire. So I can't be too mad at them for it, but you guys have to deal with me having just a Mac computer microphone until I get a new one. But, uh, Ben, other than sounding probably more crisp and clear than I am, how are you doing, my friend? I'm trying to think of a good, uh, bit for Mikeless. Yeah, but you can't. Like, like Mike, unlike Mike, and it doesn't Unliked work. Unliked Mikeless. Yeah, isn't isn't that? Uh, I was doing your whole intro. I was rolling it over my head. I had nothing good. Man, um, hate to see it. You hate yeah, to see but, that kind of a mental you know block and creativity from a co-host. You really do. By the end of this podcast, I will just randomly, in the middle of you talking, <laughs> yell out a good Mikeless pun. I don't doubt I'll, that. Please. I do not doubt that. It is Monday, folks, which means it is time for another mock draft Monday edition of the podcast. For the last couple of weeks, Ben and I have been getting creative, thanks to you all's suggestions, drafting for all 32 teams or redrafting in the first round of what kind of looked like an NFL draft. But today we're getting a little bit different. We are drafting. That is staying the same for the theme of Mock Draft Monday. But what we are drafting is a fantasy football type lineup. So think quarterback, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end flex, and then a defense for potential rookie of the year candidates. So it's going to be a snake draft. Ben and I are going to go back and forth drafting our teams, thinking from each position, which guy could be winning rookie of the year in 2020. I'm pretty excited for this. I think this is going to be fun. I also really like this idea. I also really like rookie of the year conversations, mm-hmm. both offense and defense, because honestly, in terms of things to bet, you, there's usually good edges. And so if you do the research, then you 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 start to see trends and kind of figure out how this thing usually goes. Um, I have only one question. Yes. On the topic of this trends. Yes. Can I make my flex also a quarterback? No. Okay. Have you ever played this- fantasy football before? I have. I just was really hoping maybe in this hypothetical we'd be able to sneak that in there. But it's okay. I'll get over well, it. Do, okay. Do you want to? Do you want to switch it? Okay. What? Maybe we could do this instead of a flex because there is an option in fantasy football instead of a flex to turn it into an OP, which is an offensive player position, and then oh, wow. it can turn into a quarterback. And that might be better for this exercise because we know that quarterbacks have the higher chance of winning the award so if you want to change flex to offensive position then i would be okay with that i could sign off on that you want to do that that would give us yes. two quarterbacks two running backs two wide receivers one potentially two quarterbacks well okay, you're right you're right well, who knows who we're gonna take this is this is true so i'm okay with this you good with that i can make this change yeah that sounds great okay so Ben, have you ever listened to the podcast All Fantasy Everything? I knew you were going to ask me this because you love this podcast to death. I do. I I mean, it is one of my favorite podcasts, but the reason why I bring it up this time, 
not because it's a fantastic podcast that I think people should listen to, but also because Sean Jordan, who is one of the main characters on that podcast, he always has the duty of explaining what a serpentine draft is, because that is what we are doing here. We are going to be doing this in a serpentine draft style. And in my best Sean Jordan impression, what a serpentine draft is, let's say, for example, that because my mic was broken, I was testing out different types of mics, one with my uh, iPhone headphones, and then the other one with my computer speakers. So, you know, like I start up with the computer speakers and I test it out and I go, test, test, test. All right, those levels, those levels sound pretty good. And then I put on the Apple headphones and I use that microphone that's built into them and I go, all right, test, test, test. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty good too. But then I'm like, "Ah, I'm not really sure. And I test it again and I go, all right, one more time. I'm going to test this one. And I go, ah, I think I liked the MacBook Pro microphone better so then I take those off and I go back to the MacBook Pro and I say test and I was like yeah I think I like that one better let me try it one more time and I say test on that one and then I go I don't know I I might I might have liked what I heard from the other headphones better and then it just kind of goes on and on uh in that kind of a style that's the most unnecessarily serpentine way to describe a serpentine draft. That's what that's what kind of the whole show is about. They've got over a hundred episodes <laughs> on that show, and Sean every time has to come up with a creative way to explain what a serpentine draft is. And uh, so, shout out Sean Jordan, shout out the All Fantasy Everything podcast. But that's what we're gonna do here, uh, Ben. I will give you because I am such a gracious host. Yeah, tell me about it. The ability to either choose first or second here as we are drafting potential Rookie of the Year candidates. I'll pick first. Okay. Chase Claypool, baby. Wide receiver, Pittsburgh. I'm going to take Joe Burrow. All <laughs> okay, right. Never mind. You... Uh, I'm going to go first, actually. Now I don't that know if you, you said heard that. of him. Um, when we talk about offensive rookie of the year, we're talking about a situation where if a quarterback is drafted, especially at in the top two, it's extremely difficult for him to not win the offensive rookie of the year award. In years in which it's happened have been uh, the Dak Prescott year in 2016, where Prescott had a better rookie season than both Goff and Wentz, which is extreme aberration. Uh, Saquon Barkley also recently as well was able to pull it off because obviously Barkley being the uh, number four, number two, number four, number four, number two, number two overall pick in that draft. (laughs) I'm just going to let you sweat. Yeah. Um, And him having such a tremendous rookie season coupled with the fact that there wasn't a tremendous 2017 rookie quarterback uh, performance. Actually, excuse me, 2018 rookie quarterback performance. You had Baker, which was the best one, but it kind of was a a late push at the end of the season for him. Um, Besides that, though, you look at uh, Sam Bradford in 2010, Cam Newton in 2011, Robert Griffin III won it over Andrew Luck in 2012 because of the running ability, mm-hmm. uh, and then most recently Kyler Murray in 2019. And Murray didn't even really have that great of a season. But when you're the number one pick at quarterback, you start at the head of the pack. And then if you just meet expectation, you'll very likely end at the head of the pack. And so Burrow's the best bet from a numbers perspective. If a quarterback went one overall, you want him on your on your team in this sort of a situation. From a you know, the value, because I think he's the favorite for Rookie of the Year. You probably want to miss him and go somewhere else to get good value on the bet. But in this situation, Burrow's easy pick. Yeah, um, that's the obvious one. You know, quarterbacks have right. a higher tendency to win this award because they touch the ball every play. You know, they're guaranteed 
to be the player who has a, a high impact on every single play. Whether they do or not, they always have that chance. That's why, for my first pick, I am obviously picking Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback for Miami. Now, will Tua start right away? That's a big question right. mark because they're very comfortable with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't think that they want to rush Tua into action in any way, but even if Tua played say eight games 10 games something like that at least a half a season I I think that he's got to play that to to be a candidate for the award if he comes in and just lights the world on fire Burrow might have a little bit more struggles in Cincinnati just because all right guys I'm not saying that Cincinnati is totally devoid of talent or worse than college football teams just for everybody out there who is hating on us before but Cincinnati does have one of the worst rosters in the league that's why they picked number one overall so there's a chance that Burrow could have a big learning curve in his first year. And that's not a terrible thing. He's a rookie. He's a rookie quarterback in a rebuilding team. But that's just the reality of what might be the case. Miami, they added a lot of star power. I think they added a lot of good rookies as well. I think that they were certainly on the upswing from winning as many games as they did down the stretch last season. If you go, hey, like I said, 8-10 games left into the 2020 season, you throw a 2 in there, there's a chance that that team could catch fire. And he could really improve off of... Uh, off of what he, uh, what was, uh, Miami was able to do the previous season. So I think that he's a good candidate there. That's why he's got to be the number two overall pick in this draft. This is where it gets interesting for me because I could take Justin Herbert, but is Justin Herbert going to play right away? Right. I mean, See, like, my, that's my thing is like, I'm guaranteed the quarterback who plays. And in that Tua was your quarterback pick and it's not guaranteed that he plays. I would take Herbert here just so that I have a better shot of getting a quarterback who starts games. I'm going to take Clyde Edwards Elair here. And okay. I know that this is a cl- this is a crowded Chiefs offense where the ball can only go to one guy so many times. But I really do have so much faith in how Edwards Elair can impact the game at a variety of different levels with the Chiefs, whether it is with the ball or without. He can he can be an effective runner. He could be a, be an effective pass catcher, and I think that that's going to be really important. And we've seen guys like Saquon Barkley, like Alvin Kamara, win the award in years past, likely because they were they were able to be utilized on almost every down kind of situation. And Edwards Elair has that ability more so than I think, and he's in the right situation too, more so than other guys who I think that have the talent to produce in their first year, but I think Clyde Edwards-Elair is going to get more opportunity than a lot of other guys. And so even though he's not a quarterback, there's a little bit of a curveball because of that. We added that offensive position. I'm still comfortable with taking Clyde Edwards-Elair here as my second pick in this draft. Yeah, I I mean, like you you say, maybe it's a little bit of a curveball. I don't don't think it is. To me, uh, after I make this Justin Herbert pick that I'm about to make. He has the second highest. uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair has the second highest odds in Vegas right now to win the award so and I and yeah that to me is like a lot of Chiefs skew you know people look at that and they go oh he's a first round pick he's on offense he plays Patrick Mahomes and they're gonna throw the ball and they, they said he was he was uh he was uh Brian, Brian Westbrook and this is gonna be great where it's like sure but it's not to me a great value bet I'll, I'll get more into that in a second I'm thinking Justin Herbert with my second pick I'm putting him at the OP position which is great whoever invented OP that's a genius um Big shout out whoever invented OP. Right. I want early drafted quarterbacks for the similar reason I I, I brought up before. Uh, It it hasn't happened recently. It's unlikely. But in the event that either Burrow uh, has a really bad rookie season or gets injured in the event that Tua has a rookie season or is unable to play, 
Herbert has a chance to be the highest drafted quarterback that's playing. It kind of moves him then again into that pole spot. Uh, the nice thing about the Chargers relative to what you've got potentially in Miami and in Cincinnati is that the offense is actually better around Herbert. So in the event that he plays, he's in the best situation of the three from a weapons perspective. And maybe, maybe probably from an offensive line perspective, there's a lot still unknown in Miami. Um, the offensive line in L.A. isn't great, but it, it's good. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen is better than anything that Miami's got. And I think it's if Green's healthy, Green and Boyd is better. But it, 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 it's a conversation. So I like Herbert for that reason. I want to fill out my quarterback spots quickly. In my head, there's only three quarterbacks who are going to actually see playing time this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure I got two of them. You're going to now. I'm looking. Then. What's that? What? Now I'm looking at your Jalen Hurst, you rat. Um, <laughs> I'm now, so now I'm looking at uh, running backs. And the thing about Rookie of the Year is that this is a quarterback or a running back award because it's typically a volume stat, right? We, rookie of the Year is always given to a player who just gets a lot done. Uh, last wide receiver to win it was Odell in 2014. Before him, Percy Harvin in 2009. And Percy Harvin's win of it was kind of weird because obviously Harvin was an extremely dynamic playmaker and everybody was really excited for him in the league, but it was largely a product of like returning. You know what I mean? He didn't really, he wasn't really that productive as a player, like as, as, as an offensive weapon, he had 790 receiving yards and he had 135 rushing yards. You know what I mean? Like very pedestrian numbers. He had six total touchdowns, I think on offense. Like, you know, it was given to him because he was also a really good returner. Um, and then before him, Anquan Bolden in 2003. And those are the only three wide receivers to win this award in the century. Um, so to me, running back is the next logical spot that I want to go after players. With Edwards Alaire off the board, it's a little bit messy trying to figure out who's going to be uh, extremely productive, who's going to be uh, have the necessary opportunity. I'm going to go with a player that I know is going to be efficient, and that's J.K. Dobbins. Every running back that played with Lamar last season had his most efficient season of his career uh, in terms of yard per carry output. Dobbins is the most talented back in that backfield. Uh, if you ask me, obviously, Mark Ingram is going to demand a lot of the touches and largely because he's a, he's a veteran. But they're not going to be in a situation where they're going to be wanting to give Ingram the football, especially if Ingram gets banged up. Ingram's probably going to uh, uh, leave the, the organization his contract's not going to be renewed after the night this upcoming season dobbins is your future uh, so you're going to be giving him the football he's the most electric playmaker so to me dobbins is got is in the best situation a running back can be in the nfl and has untapped talent we don't exactly know what the ceiling is going to be on him in the league he was my running back one so it makes a lot of sense the, this next picks it's interesting for me because when I thought about Dobbins, I thought about him as a potential candidate for me to take early on. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, was the obvious one. But I looked at Dobbins and I looked at his situation. I was like, man, I just feel like even when Dobbins does really well, the system around him, I think it's just going to take away so much of what he does. It's going to be hard for them to point at Dobbins and be like, yeah, this is like the guy who's really See, making but a difference. But remember, it's it's a numbers award. It's a counting award, right? I know, like, but I feel like he's not going to get Doc. he points. does well, there's going to be so, like, obviously I think that that means Lamar is going to be doing really well on the ground. And I think that the other players around him are going to be doing really well on the ground. And so. Yeah. And there's going to be tweets coming from NFL research that says JK Dobbins is the first rookie running back in NFL history with back to back to back games of 150 rushing yards and one touchdown. And no one's going to care about anything else. 150. Well, I'm just saying like, like, Arbitrary, arbitrary numbers. You know what I mean? Sure, why not? All right. 
All right. Anyway. <laughs> no, I I, I love I love Dobbins' talent. I just wonder in a very crowded running room where also the quarterback is certainly taking carries away from what would be whoever is in the backfield, whether it's Dobbins or Ingram or, or those other guys. Um, I just think it's going to be hard for him to stand out. Not that he's going to be any less good or any less impactful. I just think that for an award, it might be uh, it might be hard for him to stand out. My next pick, man, Jonathan Taylor's the next that's on the list for guys who have the highest odds to win Rookie of the Year, but I'm not going to take him as my next running back. I'm actually going to take DeAndre Swift because there's a reason why I think the Lions prioritized this guy at the top of the second round. And that's because I think that they certainly like Carrion Johnson. They like what he's able to do, but they know that he's been injury prone. Only been able to start in 14 games over the last two years. He's been good when he's been out there, but he's just been injured a lot already early on in his career. And I think that after talking to the people that we have, even on this podcast, following the draft, that there is a plan to get Swift in the game and get him involved even while Carrion Johnson is healthy. So obviously if Carrion plays an entire season, this award's probably not going to go to Swift, right? I mean, like it's just very doubtful that it does. But in the unfortunate in fact that he might go out, we could really see them heavily lean on Swift for a lot more roles. Whereas even when Johnson is healthy, I think that he's going to have a part to play in whatever it is they're doing. So whether or not Johnson is healthy, I think that Swift's going to get plenty of attention and they're going to be able to carve out something for what he's going to do. So in that sense, I think his ceiling of what could be for, like you were saying there, like stat production is pretty high. The next one that I'm going with on the turn on this draft, first wide receiver that we're going to take off the board. And it's going to be Justin Jefferson to me. I thought about... That's a good call. I thought about Jerry Judy. Because I like the idea of Judy as such a precise route runner really being a safety net, if you will, for Drew Locke sometimes. Like, boom, Jerry Judy chopping the feet, getting separation quickly, lock and dump it off to him when they're moving the ball down the field. So Judy can also be a downfield threat, but he could also be that kind of security blanket guy that you manufacture touches for, whether it's at the beginning of the game to get Locke on a roll or whatever it is. But... When you see that he's going to be wide receiver too, sure, he's not going to get the other team's best corner, but he also might not get a lot of targets. We talked about Pat Shermer's offense before, and Corlin Sutton's a guy who I think got 124 targets last season, and the next closest guy was, was it Noah Fant? I think it was Noah Fant, and it wasn't like it wasn't even close to that. So I just don't know how many touches or targets Jerry Judy's going to get in that offense, whereas Justin Jefferson... Stephon Diggs led the team last year in the 15 games that he started with 94 targets. The next closest guy was Adam Thielen. Now, Thielen only played in 10 games, but he got 48. And Dalvin Cook had something in the 60s. He was actually second on the team, just talking second in receivers. I'm not saying that Justin Jefferson's going to be Stephon Diggs in year one, but they need him in that offense right away. They will have to give him targets because there is no one else to give them to, and they have to have a second wide receiver to produce for them. So in that sense, it's kind of the same thing with Swift. I'm looking at the situation they're in, and I'm saying these guys have a high potential of production because of these situations they're in and the volume they might get as the season goes on. So Justin Jefferson actually going to be the first wide receiver off the board. I think that's appropriate. I do. Like I, I am 
one of the reasons that you don't get wide receiver offensive rookie of the years often is exactly what you brought up. It's very difficult to get the amount of volume that you need. And usually you're when you draft a receiver, even if he's to be your eventual wide receiver one, you have enough talented veterans at two and at three and tight ends and running back options. And if you're drafting a wide receiver that high, your team's probably not that good and your quarterback's not that good, such that you just can't give him like one hundred and twenty accurate footballs across the course of a year, 140 accurate footballs. And so he hasn't able to produce the, uh, to, to hang at the level of, you know, a running back who's getting a ton of carries or a quarterback who's taking a ton of snaps. So I agree with, with Jefferson as being the guy who I think has the most opportunity and is thereby a really good pick. Um, me, I'm going to fill my second running back spot at this time. I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. I'm extremely pleased that he's there. Um, Taylor for me is a player who, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about how Jonathan Taylor got here, right? In terms of nobody really thought that the Colts were going to be a team that needed a running back. Marlon Mack, who I was just watching Colts films, I was watching Taven Bryan for the the Jaguars. Mack is great. Like Mack's really, really solid. He's developed nicely out of South Florida, and we don't, I think, talk about that enough. But they didn't need a a runner, the, and they go in and they bring Jonathan Taylor. Much like the DeAndre Swift pick, if you're going to make this early of a selection, it's pretty clear to me that you're willing to invest carries into the guy, right? So I would be shocked if they don't give him enough volume for him to prove his efficacy and for him to be productive. So that's number one. Number two, what you see across Frank Reich's offenses in Indianapolis and the big thing with Taylor has always been his receiving ability. Well, he gives a good amount of targets to running backs right now. Marlon mm-hmm. Mack, they've always wanted him to be more of a receiving threat. I, I say, I say they, we, the people have always been like, why aren't you throwing the ball to Marlon Mack more? He had 26 targets in 2018. He had 17 targets in 2019. Naeem Hines, who's their running back wide receiver hybrid kid at NC state. Remember Naeem Hines? We were big fans of him. He's their scat back. He's he's their, you know, 50, 60 target a year sort of a guy. Taylor's going to come in with all of the targets already filled up. There, he's not going to get targets over Hines for sure, and I don't think he's going to get targets over Mac. So the concerning thing here is he's really not going to have impressive receiving production, in my opinion. It's all got to be on the ground for him, but Taylor was also, like, setting records at Wisconsin – while it was also on the ground for him. Everybody knew he was coming off the field on third down. Everybody knew that he was coming off the field when it came time to pass protect, and he was still this effective. So Taylor is, is an extremely dynamic runner. He's not complete at the way that like Dobbins was complete, and that's why Taylor was lower than Dobbins, lower than and Edwards Alaire for me. But he does have that tremendous running ability. So if we're seeing from Taylor a season like, you know, Adrian Peterson had as a rookie, which obviously you know, some people were like, Taylor's the next AP, and that's kind of crazy. But Peterson won it on 14 games with uh, 1,300 yard, rushing yards. So he averaged like five and a half yards per attempt, right? So if we're talking like that sort of a season for Taylor on the ground, it really won't matter what he did through the air. He'll be in the conversation. So I take Taylor there. Um, I don't have a flex anymore. So now I have two wide receivers, tight end, and defense. Um, by the way, so we, we both get just one defensive player to pick. That's it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're trying to keep it like the fantasy football yeah. rules still in there. I mean, all the IDP nerds are like, just pick all of them, but we're not going to do that. I'll take Chase Young. 
for my defensive spot then at this time. Nice. Um, I don't nice. want to go chasing any wide receivers or any tight ends at this time because I do not think they have a chance to win the award. So I'll just take the favorite to win defensive rookie of the year. And now I have Burrow and Young, uh, who are the the clubhouse favorites for both, inappropriately. So uh, this uh, this is a, an award that actually doesn't go to edges as often as people think that it does. It actually leans more linebackers and people who just uh, acquire a bunch of tackles. With that said, Young is the most talented edge to come out since Garrett, if you're asking me. Uh, and obviously, we've had edges push for the award at that time, uh, or excuse me, since that time. Bosa doesn't get it. Uh, Bosa gets it last season. Bosa 2016 gets it then. This is becoming a very pressure-oriented league. It's, it's every year there's more pass rush opportunities, so there's greater opportunities to break rookie records and to produce at high levels as a rookie because you're just rushing the passer more. Young does have the timeshare, as we've talked about, that's concerning, but the talent is paramount. So I'll take Young at defense and be happy with that. No, that makes sense. Um, part of me is kind of big mad that you got Joe Burrow and Chase Young, and I let that happen, but... Uh... Yeah. No maybe maybe I don't know. Learn a draft strategy. I have no one to blame, but myself. Because but I'm okay with it. Because here on the turn, I'm gonna take CD Lamb. Now, on the surface, Ben, you have written about Michael Gallup before and mm-hmm. how good he is, and I do understand that. But when I look at all the targets that went around in Dallas last year, they had 119 that went to Amari. They had 113 that meant that went to Michael Gallup. And he had 83 that went to Randall Cobb and another 83 that went to Jace Witten. So that to say, there's plenty of throws to go around. I think that Dallas is enamored with CeeDee Lamb. And even though I don't think that Michael Gallup's going to get forgotten or, or pushed to the side even, I think that there's a big chance for CeeDee Lamb to still produce in this offense. And I think that they are going to... This seems like a team, especially with Jerry Jones prioritizing uh, CeeDee Lamb as, and, and just fawning over him as much as he had after drafting him, I've got to think that the whispers and maybe even the demands are going to be there all year long to say, get this guy the ball. Make this guy a focal point of your offense. And I think that Dallas has the capabilities to do it. I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that he could survive and actually more than survive, thrive in a three-wide receiver setup that gets them plenty of targets. Because if I'm looking at a rookie wide receiver and they're getting anything around 80, 90 targets in their first year, then you are talking about a guy who's going to have a legit chance to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. They're just going to have that many chances. And so I think that element exists in Dallas. So it's it's a situation where some people might look at CeeDee Lamb and go like, yeah, but it's a crowded offense. There's a lot to go around. Michael Gallup's already good. I definitely hear all that. I just, when I look at these numbers, I think that there is still a chance for CeeDee Lamb to shine. Do, what, do you think so too? I know that you, you looked at Gallup a little bit more in-depthly than I did. Do you believe that C.D. Lamb could have enough volume this season? For Offensive Rookie of the Year among the five first-round wide receivers, Lamb would have been my last pick. Okay, all right. Extremely talented football player. You got, he's third on the list for targets. And he's going to, it's not going to be a thing where like, oh, he had a good camp, he had a good first couple weeks. It's going to take him weeks to get above either Gallup or Cooper if everybody's healthy. Because... Gallup and Cooper, unbelievable. And they're not only unbelievable, they're unbelievable intermediate to deep. Like, they're both really, really good 10-plus yard receivers. Mm -hmm. And I think that Lamb, fitting inside of the existing route distribution, is not only going to be low target, he's also going to be low depth of target. And so I just don't... 
I, I struggle to find a productive rookie season for him. It's funny because like when the Cowboys picked Lamb, we were all, myself included, like you know, extremely impressed because it was a great value pick and it's gonna help open their offense up so much. But the the only way that he like is extremely productive is if teams just skew coverage to Cooper so hard and then Lamb's always got like you know one on ones against Perry Nickerson and like you know just murders slot corners for sixteen weeks. But like, you know, I I don't envision him being super productive in year one the most value that that pick brings is really just the flexibility it gives them with cooper contract and gallup contract in the future that could be i don't know man i i still see the production there for lamb i, I don't think it's nearly as much as like yeah they got cooper and gallup they don't need him i think it's going to be a lot more of a mix than that because I just think that that's kind of how Dallas operates. Uh, Earlier this podcast, we let you guys know that we were liars and boy were we ever because we still got Bilt Bar ads coming at you and even though last Friday I told you that that was your last chance to get $10 off your first box if you use the promo code locked on, that wasn't true at all because here we are June 1st on a Monday and that offer still stands. They've got almost 20 different flavors that you could choose from to find your perfect protein bar. They've got seven times less carbs and sugars than your normal bar. They've got a lot less calories in that too, so you can enjoy them as a snack. You can have them in between meals. They can give you energy throughout the day. You can even start your day or end your day with them. They're, I mean, they're a great way to do that as well. They've got those great flavors. They're great for your macros. Built Bar is, simply put, they're the best protein bars out there. Ben and I were enjoying them all throughout the month of May. We're going to continue to do so during the month of June as well. I want to hear from you guys, though, because it's been a month now. A lot of you have tweeted at us. You've sent us your mix box and different flavors that you guys have ordered. I'd love to hear which one is your fl- your favorite. I still, I said this at the beginning, here we are a month later, still my favorite. It's the peanut butter one. It's got everything you want. It's got the higher count of protein. Uh, so I'm, I'm mainly eating it after I'm working out, you know, try to get, trying to get quarantine ripped, which isn't going very well. You remember, okay, you remember on social media when everybody said, ah, I'm either going to get fat or I'm going to be like ripped after this quarantine. It was never, it was never going to be the second option. It was never going to be the second option. It was only going to be that you were going to get fat during the quarantine. That's what I did. Not because Bill Bar. I had to say, I have proof of concept right here, buddy. (laughs) You're, you're a cookie guy though, right? You're, I like you're, you're a just got guy. married. My wife won't stop making pie right, and right. bread guy. <laughs> All right? That's what I am currently. Well, you know, I, maybe you got to just throw in a couple more Bilt Bars in there instead of, you know, uh, Meredith will understand, I think, because it's for the pot. So if you guys it's out there, the if you have not ordered your first box yet from BiltBar.com, you can head over, use the promo code locked on. You still get the deal. My second pick at the turn. Not going to pick a defensive player because I don't need to because I can save that for the end because you already picked Chase Young, so there's no point in me doing that. Mm-hmm. Offensive position, I could pick that, but that would ruin the, the 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 climax that we're going towards, towards the movie ending to piss Ben off. Tight end, I'm going out of left field. Are you ready for this one, Ben? Are can you I guess? Ready? Huh? Can I guess? Yes. I would love for you to guess. Okay. Tight ends that I actually will give have- you three. Three guesses. Okay, tight ends that actually have a shot of being. Drafted. There are, in, in all, in all honesty, there aren't many, right? I mean, Cole Komet was the first tight end picked. I think we all know that he's pretty limited as as a tight end. 
He might, yeah. He's going to be involved in the offense a lot because Chicago needs him to. I just don't think that he's going to be overly dynamic for them. So uh, you could take him. He's got the highest odds in Vegas right my now first when it comes guess, to tight ends. But yeah, my first it. guess is Adam Troutman. It is not Adam Troutman. All right. My second guess is Devin Asiasi. It is not Devin Asiasi. And my third guess is Albert Okwebenam. It is, in fact, Albert Okwebenam. There it is. And yeah. the reason why I'm taking a shot on Albert Okwebenam is because he's freakishly fast for a guy that he size, his size. He is the same type of mold of tight end as Noah Fant is. Noah Fant last season, and this is after a slow start from Fant, had 66 targets, second on the team. Now, it wouldn't have been second on the team if Emmanuel Sanders was there for the whole season. Just got to give it contact. But it was second on the team. He had 40 receptions. He had over 500 yards, and he had three touchdowns. And that was after starting slow and still having some things that he struggled with during his rookie season. If Fant were for, to whatever reason, go down at any point in the year, I truly believe that this team thinks that they could just plug Albert Okuegbun on a minute and that he could play that same type of role. Just a guy to get off the line, go straight up the field, attack the seams, be a vertical threat. And that'll get you stats. It'll get you yards. Those will increase the yards per reception. And that could get you touchdowns too, depending on the defense that you're playing and how easy it is from week to week. So it's kind of a, a shot in the dark. I'm kind of swinging for the fences here, but Albert Okuegbunam is my pick for tight end. Albert Okuegbunam wins rookie of the year. I will never again claim that this is my podcast. <laughs> it would just be your podcast forever. You could leave. It would still be your podcast. Are you writing it down? That this is uh, that this is my podcast? Yes. No, I, I wrote down verbatim what you said so that if Albert Okwegbanam wins it, <laughs> then uh, we know what the consequence is for you. All right, that's, All right. Uh, back to you. Back to you on the turn. I'm extremely thrilled uh, to get who I'm about to get here. Um, Jalen Rager for Offensive Rookie of the Year is the wide receiver bet that I'm most interested in. I liked the Justin Jefferson pick. I thought it was an appropriate one. Um, But Rager, to me, is an opportunity for unbelievable volume. Uh, The Eagles wide receiver room, I don't know if you heard, it sucks. Uh, Deshaun, hopefully back and healthy, a player that they ran out of the slot and out wide when he was healthy last year. Uh, a lot of deep field stretching stuff. But they had also slot and wide Nelson Aguilar, who was a, a speed threat for them and a yak threat for them. Not a good football player. And Rager comes in and will step into that role, as, uh, assumingly, even with Jackson on the field, because, you know, Aguilar was, was when Jackson obviously had a very limited time of playing last year. But even when Jackson was out on the field, they were starting Aguilar in three receiver sets and they were starting him at slot and they were starting him out wide. But Aguilar was a high-volume player because they had nobody else once once Deshaun went down. Obviously, there's Alshon Jeffrey as well to worry about. Alshon's a high-volume receiver when he's out there, but he struggled to be healthy the last two years, and he wants out of Philadelphia. So in the event that Alshon is traded, Rager is arguably your wide receiver one entering the year. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Greg Ward, these are the, uh, Marquise Goodwin. These are the other names behind Rager. They're not going to demand volume so Rager is at worst assuming Alshon is gone a high volume wide receiver too now the thing about Rager that's really exciting is 
he's going to get running touches and he's going to get scheme touches on screens and he's going to get return touches. And so, you know, by the Percy Harvin corollary, if you get used in a lot of ways, it'll boost your value for rookie of the year. You know, the, the, the versatility, the, the games that you have where you break things open with plays outside of structure, that's going to be a big deal. So Rager to me is, is my favorite offensive rookie of the year pick. I know there's a lot of fantasy guys who have him as their wide receiver one among the rookie group. I think that's appropriate. For this year. So I'll take Rager. That's one of my wide receivers. My other wide receiver is Brandon Ayuk, right? Who we forget about Brandon Ayuk as a first round wide receiver. I don't think Brandon Ayuk is particularly pro ready. I do think he landed in the best spot for wide receivers in the league right now. And that's in San Francisco. San Francisco has a similar situation in terms of uh, available volume. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders departs. Sanders was a big part of that passing attack. Debo Samuel uh, 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 you know, we blossomed last year. There's no doubts about that. However, right now that San Francisco receiving room has a lot of depth and not a lot of defined starters, right? So you had Jalen Hurd and you have Trent Taylor and you have Dante Pettis and you have Kendrick Bourne and all these guys, uh, Richie James, who can step up and can grab more of these targets behind Devo Samuel. But if you felt comfortable in any of them doing any of that, you would not have spent a first round pick on Brandon Ayuk when especially you desperately needed to trade back and get more picks in capital. So the fact that they made that investment in Ayuk says to me uh, that they're going to be willing to give him a, a, a lot of volume. His best trait is his yak ability. The best thing that you can do in that Kyle Shanahan offense in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback, is run after the catch. That's where they've been the most successful. Uh, so I, I think Debo is still the primary target there. I think Ayuk will get the start, however. I think he will get starting uh, caliber target share, and we know he's so good after the catch. He's also another guy who's going to get scheme touches. He's going to run the football, and he's going to return. Uh, so Rager and Ayuk are, are my two uh, wide receiver picks for Rookie of the Year. I also would say that if you look at most uh, odds right now, if you can find an Ayuk odd, let me know. It's difficult to find odds on him, but Rager right now is like a, a lot of odds him around plus 3,000, plus 2,500. Um, behind players like Zach Moss, you know, Cam Akers, to me, that's that's a really nice uh, bet right there. So I have money on Rager as Rookie of the Year. I would recommend you grab it as well if you can. Okay. All right. No, I, I could definitely see that. You have made the case before that the touches that Rager would get would be unique to the room around him, which those guys are easy guys to bet on because right away in the season, you can see an area for them to produce. And if any guys go down around them, or if there's ineffectiveness in the lineup, which we thought it was going to start the season with, that's only more room to grow. So I, I, I could definitely see the Rager pick. I see that with him, even from uh, before this argument, when we were talking about him right after the draft. My defensive player that I'm going with is Isaiah Simmons. And the reason why I'm going with Isaiah Simmons is because he has right. the ability to impact the game in so many different ways. If Isaiah Simmons gets a handful of sacks, a couple of interceptions, forces a couple fumbles, is is lucky enough to j- jump on some fumble recoveries, maybe even return them one or two for a touchdown, along with being a linebacker that will get a good amount of tackles near the middle of that defense, this is a high chance of this guy being a, uh, a, a defensive rookie of the year winner. Because Chase Young, I truly think that he's going to have an impactful season. 
it's just going to, when we talked about this before, it's going to be tougher for him, not because of any lack of talent, but because of how good that Redskins front seven is around him. You know, you're going to have a lot of other guys who have more experience in the league, have plenty of talent that know how to get to the quarterback who have done it before. And so not saying Chase Young can, I think that he will. I just wonder how high the ceiling is for this season of him making backfield production. Whereas Isaiah Simmons, not much on that defense. I mean, like, it's a young defense, and I think that there are good pieces around him. I'm not saying, like, it's a hopeless wasteland. Obviously, they have Chandler Jones on the team. They still have guys like Patrick Peterson. They've got Buda Baker. But in terms of those playmakers in the middle, outside of Chandler Jones, I just don't think there's a lot of consistent production. You know, in 2019, even we're just talking about backfield production here. Chandler Jones had 19 sacks, and the next closest guy was, I think, Terrell Suggs with five and a half. You know, like that's a, that's such a steep. Mm-hmm. Hey, this guy's making all of the difference. Now there's another guy to play cleanup, get a lot of the tackles, perhaps be a big difference maker in coverage. And so I just think for the areas on the defense that Isaiah Simmons could have his hand in, that makes him a good potential defensive player of the year candidate. Because what you said at the beginning of this podcast, it is a stat driven award, and when you can show a lot of versatility in that area, I think that definitely helps. And then my final pick of this draft in the offensive player position, you were correct in uh, guessing what I was going to do earlier, I'm picking Jalen Hurts. And I'm not picking him sinisterly, thinking that Carson Wentz is going to get hurt. Okay. I love Carson Wentz. I hope that he does not get hurt. But I don't really believe that Justin Herbert, even if he starts, is going to be a high-impact rookie. That's just what I think. Whereas I've watched Jalen Hurts be successful being thrown into a system, being young, being in addition with his legs as well as his arm. And I think the system really changes in Philadelphia if Carson Wentz were to go down for some reason. It's not like you're just plugging Jalen Hurts into the same system. You're bringing a lot more play-action responsibility. You're probably going to add an element of uh, of offense with Jalen Hurts' legs because that's what he does really well. And that's going to be a lot of stuff that just defenses weren't normally playing for with Philadelphia. So this, again, is a home run swing for the fences because I think Carson Wentz is obviously going to be the quarterback as long as he is healthy. I'm not even going to sit here and bet on him getting hurt. I'm not here to make that argument. All I'm saying is that if it happens to happen, say if Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert go in at the same time this season, I'm betting Jalen Hurts has better numbers than Justin Herbert does. I'm betting he has a higher impact than Justin Herbert does. So this is simply me betting on Jalen Hurts having a bigger impact as a young quarterback going in because I've seen him do it before. I saw him do it at Alabama. He's very poised. He knows how to get the most out of his talent. And I think the offense really changes in a big way with an added threat if Jalen Hurts is to become the quarterback. So I think the production or the potential for production for him is a lot higher. So yes, that is my pick here. I'm hoping Carson Wentz plays all 16 games, but if he were to go in, I can see Jalen Hurts really having a big impact on this Eagles offense. I, I know I've said this before, but again, like if Wentz goes down, they're playing Sudfeld. And and like it'll take Sudfeld playing poorly for Hurts to get on the field as a, you know, snap to snap starter, drop back quarterback. They would play Sudfeld before Hurts, especially if Wentz goes down early. Oh my gosh, stop writing things that I say. Um, the whole point I'm, I'm of this not podcast. writing things. You just, I'm literally writing down the names on our on our list, yeah, on our okay. Google Sheet list. I'm not, um, I'm not like journalists quoting you, although I do have this all on recording, so I don't need to write it down. 
All right, so now it's 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 my pick at tight end, which you know, freaking like. All I right, don't everybody, know. thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah, appreciate you coming on the show. Um, highest drafted tight end was Cole Komet. That tight end room is extremely weird. Next up was Devin Asiasi. Sure. Josiah DeGora, Don Keen. I'll take Troutman for the Saints. Sure, um, yeah, I can see that. I mean, like, there's no defined target two right now, technically, behind Thomas. Obviously, like, the biggest expectation is going to be that it's Sanders. Um, and I would be shocked if Troutman bypasses him for that. Do they still have Jared Cook in New Orleans? I think that they do. Yeah, they do. Okay, so, yeah, he's going to have to beat out Cook, and then he's going to have to show more juice than Sanders both of which are unlikely. Um, Troutman's a really good natural receiver. He's going to get targets. Uh, the end. <laughs> I had nothing else. I was about to be like, and also red zone, but Michael Thomas is really good in the red zone. So Adam Troutman, just going to have a, the best rookie tight end season in history. No tight problem. end is uh, tight ends rough this year. <laughs> if a, I'm, I'm kind of along the same lines Ben was earlier in the podcast, where uh, if a tight end, whoever it is, wins offensive rookie of the year then um boy did we not see that one coming all right this is how the fantasy football offensive rookie of the year lineups came to be ben has joe burrow as his quarterback he also has justin herbert as his offensive position he's got jk dobbins and jonathan taylor at running back jalen rager and brandon Ayuk at wide receiver he has adam troutman at tight end and then he has chase young as his defensive player i have Tua Tungavailoa as my quarterback with Jalen Hurts as my offensive position. Clyde Edwards-Elair and DeAndre Swift at running back. Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver. Albert Okwegbunam at tight end. And then Isaiah Simmons at defensive player. This is fun. I really enjoyed this exercise. I had a good time. Yeah, it was fun to get a much better team than you. I didn't enjoy that. You think this every time. And you're somehow wrong every time. Yeah, okay. When are you going to learn? No, my, You know, it's just another mock draft Monday. That we could chalk up as W. Just another mock draft Monday. Guys, no matter who you are a fan of, there is a locked on NFL podcast for you. There are specific teams that you could subscribe to uh, that push out content just like us every single day. And then there is also a more general locked on NFL podcast that gives you more of a league look as opposed to a rookie and draft look the way that Ben and I do so make sure you check all those out see if you love any of those we really appreciate everybody who leaves us good reviews subscribes to the podcast we really appreciate you guys give you all a shout out because I read a lot of the reviews that you guys put on iTunes those mean so much to us they help us out a lot they obviously keep this podcast up and running so we really appreciate all the kind words that you guys have on the pod or on the uh, review section of iTunes as well as in the premium slack and on Twitter too we are humbled by it we thank you for hanging out with us every single day more this week we're gonna have a couple of draft class recap episodes that we are getting to and then another fun and wacky fan Friday coming up at the end of the week until then you guys keep a lock right here on lockdown NFL draft